listening to This Week in Health Innovation. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media, the show's producer and your host. Today's episode is sponsored by Health Innovation Media. My guests today are two colleagues, Vince Caritis and Devin McGraw, who teamed up to co-author a series on the healthcare blog titled Health, The Health Data Goldilocks Dilemma, Sharing Privacy both. Vince Caritis, JD, MBA, is an independent healthcare strategy consultant with over 30 years experience across 150 plus healthcare organizations. Vince blogs at e-caremanagement.com. Pineapple, Devin McGraw, JD, MPH, and LLM is the chief regulatory officer at Citizen and former official at OCR and ONC. Devin blogs at www.medium.com forward slash at citizen, and that's C-I-I-T-I-Z-E-N. Hey, glad to join you, Greg. Uh, I have been around the U.S. healthcare non-system for for over 30 years and uh, started in the healthcare provider world, worked for a consulting company out of school, uh, spent 10 years working in an integrated delivery system, and then the last 20 years have been running my own uh, independent consulting business, working with just about every kind of healthcare client, over 150 different healthcare and tech organizations uh, over the last 20 years or, or so. Usually I work with companies around their, their business strategy and around their partnerships and business models. And where the where this issue around privacy comes comes in is that uh, you know regulation can be a very strong and powerful motivator of new business models and changing the way organizations operate. And so I think there's a lot of good to be done here in looking at the privacy legislation and a lot of uh, entrepreneurial opportunities as well. That's kind of a quick overview from my end. So you've got the long view here, and we can hear more about that flavoring because there's been lots going on over three decades. One might say a lot of deja vu. Yeah. So let's talk about Devin. Tell us a little bit about you, your background, and what brought you to this moment. And we'll talk about the health data Goldilocks dilemma post after that. Okay, great. Thanks, Greg. I'm Devin McGraw. I have, I'm an attorney. I also have a master's in public health, and I have been working in the field of health data privacy since about 2007. So not as long as Vince has been in healthcare, but certainly for a good long amount of time, been working on the issue of health data privacy with the particular viewpoint that the data is sensitive and needs to be protected. People have to trust where their data are going, who's collecting it, and what are they doing with it. But at the same time, we have a lot of needs in the healthcare system to be using data to make the system work better, the non-system, as Vince likes to call it. And so it creates this kind of a yin-yang Goldilocks dilemma that, frankly, has been the space that I have occupied for a good portion of my professional life. So I thought it was particularly appealing to team up with Vince because he has been looking at, you know, healthcare business models for quite some time, of which... You know, obviously, privacy regulation and privacy issues can shape 
those models. So we thought it would be a good collaboration. And yeah. it's been a lot of fun. And and I would just <laughs> want to offer a, a, a kudos to you, uh, Devin, and acknowledge your, your recent award from Academy of Health as winner of the, the Health Data Impact Award for patient rights and, and personal health data. So nice to have a celebrity amongst us. And I mean, I'm wondering <laughs> what you're going to what you're going to do with the seven-figure award that they gave you. (laughs) Thank you, Vince. It's a a lovely statuette that was my my very, my sort of tangible award that I received, but but being honored by by colleagues is obviously worth so much more. I I really appreciate that. Thank you. So if I had an applause clip, I would have played that right in this moment. So kudos to you, Devin. (laughs) You actually touched on what I wanted to ask you next. So where there's context for this chat, we're going to reference the blog post on the healthcare blog called Health Data Goldilocks Dilemma. What, how did the two of you, what was the inspiration for the two of you getting together to take this on? I, I know you were looking to Vince as a veteran with business model experience in the space, but what was the impetus for you to come together and then let unbundle essentially the core message in that post? So Vince, do you want to start? Yeah, I think it was really spontaneous. I, I was writing a blog post just about a year ago now looking at the issue of federal privacy legislation and how it might impact healthcare and had a post about half written and you know it just wasn't quite coming together. You know, my thought was, you know, I need I need some inspiration and some insight and expertise and I um, contacted Devin and and we wrote that article together. And uh, then we proposed it as a series to the healthcare blog, to, to Matthew Holt and to Zoya. And I'm really pleased with the way it's, it's turned out. There's about a dozen articles in there now. And I think that we don't, I don't think I have a particular agenda other than to explore the Goldilocks dilemma, which in a nutshell is how do we share the right amount, not too much, not too little health information. And there are risks of sharing too much and too little health information. How do we get it right? That's that's my quick take, Devin. Yeah, I'm not sure I have anything to add to what Vince said. It was, you know, he got in touch with me when he was writing the blog post and proposed the series. And I, I think my first reaction was, well, it's a great idea. I don't know if I have enough time because I'm at a startup now, which can be quite chaotic. But ultimately, I became convinced that Well, number one, we don't have to write all of the pieces in the series. We've had some really great contributing authors, but it's just it's a topic that is so timely right now that I I, it wasn't too hard to convince me that that we could play a role in bringing some um, important voices together on a topic that is that is pretty salient right now. Did you know, was this in the virtual space or had you guys meet? Did you meet at conferences or what was the initial connection? Uh, well, we I'll knew each other Devin before. Few, yeah, for yeah, probably we, 10 we, years, not well. Yeah. But social media was the lubricant well, you know, here? Maybe. No, good uh-huh. old email. Oh, good old, old <laughs> school. Old <laughs> okay. All right, good. So let, let me, let me, let's unbundle the post. ONC has proposed regulation to open up uh, APIs, application uh, programmer interfaces to electronic health records as a means to remedy the chronic problem of promoting interoperability and approving patient access to their health data. So both of you, what, what's this about and what are some of the differing points of view? Devin, you want to frame it? 
I'll start. You know, the issue is we have this regulation called HIPAA, which covers health information, but only when it is in the records of healthcare providers and healthcare plans and contractors who work on their behalf, like a billing company, for example, or an electronic medical record vendor that is serving the needs of, of again, providers and health plans. And we've had HIPAA rules for almost two decades now, but there's increasingly more and more health information that is collected outside of the space of HIPAA. You know, every time a consumer enters health information into an into a mobile app, that mobile app vendor isn't covered by HIPAA. And what ONC had proposed was the ability for patients to choose an app that would connect in to medical records and get really clinical information about that patient, information that the patient can now see when they go to a portal, but that they don't necessarily have in a portable fashion, you know, or in a way to sort of collect information from all of their provider, you know, healthcare provider portals, their doctors, their hospitals, and have it all in one place so that they can then share it. And, you know, what, what ONC has proposed is a set of rules for electronic medical record vendors and for also in terms of providers and health information networks to make data available to patients, including apps. Well, this is going to result in a lot of clinical data being pushed out into spaces that are not well covered by federal privacy law. And it has definitely caused a lot of concern to be expressed about whether we're going, we're pushing too hard, too fast before we have regulations in place that will protect the data that's outside of HIPAA. Uh, the, the issue came to a head a couple of weeks ago when the CEO of Epic, Judy Faulkner, put out a call to hospital CEOs to write a letter of support. And I think she had two issues, and I would phrase it as I half agreed with her, which is far more than I usually agree with Judy Faulkner. She made the point that there are risks around privacy and opening up APIs and that people may not recognize that when they use an app that they're losing potential protection of data that is protected under HIPAA while it's still in the health system. And um, actually, I think she had a, you know, has a legitimate concern there. Where I think, though, she took that is not, uh, I can't support, and I don't think most people in the, or many people can't either, is that therefore the data should not be in the hands of, of patients and patients shouldn't be able to control it. You know, my, my summary would be, yes, there are risks, but, you know, the goal that's more important here is to get the data under the control of patients in their hands. And, you know, there are still legitimate privacy issues that we're going to have to, to work through. Devin, anything you want to add there? That was really well said, Vince. I think the only thing I would add is that, you know, the concerns about privacy, while not unfounded, I and mean, we've just been talking about that, are you know, the message is being carried by entities who are also concerned about losing business to, you know, competitors in a, in a marketplace who might offer other ways of making sure that data can get from one place to another. And this is sort of, again, this is Epic's territory, right? This is, this is they have, they are the largest electronic medical record vendor in the hospital space, and clients are very dependent on them to move data for treatment purposes, to be able to facilitate data access for, for research, for quality improvement, for population health. So, you know, if, you, if you've got the patient sort of injecting other vendors into that space, 
and being able to, you know, sort of collect that data and share it in in ways that they might want to to improve their own health or to contribute to research takes a little bit out of the of the hands and maybe out of the pockets of vendors that are currently in the space. So it, a lot of the criticism, while not unfounded, felt a bit like a bit anti-competitive given the nature of of who was expressing those concerns. Epic is the 800-pound gorilla in the, in the um in the EHR space for hospital systems. And they're perhaps a quintessential example of your walled garden idea, to coin a phrase from you, Vince. And, but, but I'm also thinking maybe what provokes this here is maybe an, an HIE-type issue, which is we're not going to share our data you know, with other competitors in our marketplace, regardless of how you want to homogenize this and get it into the hands of the people who need it outside our four walls. So there there's seems to be that level of proprietary interest in not wanting to promote interoperability. But the second piece has to be under HIPAA with respect to the patient, the, the volume of patient-generated data that's out there now with all these apps that are, that are in the marketplace. So we've got a couple of, I don't know, conflicting values here. Is it, A, is that a fair assessment? And, and B, can it be reconciled, privacy versus access? I mean, all these breaches is a big issue. So you say Judy's in part right. What part's right? What part's wrong? Well, the part about risks of privacy, I think, is right. But in the part where she, I think, is wrong, and Devin highlights the, I think, lack of credibility because of their financial interests and competitive interests is that therefore means that the data should not be in the control of, of, of patients. You know, I, I would put it as, you know, Epic ought to be concerned with competition. And if I were advising them, I think that, you know, their the EHRs are really at risk of disintermediation. If you take a look at what Google is building, uh, the, the, uh, in Google blog, they're essentially trying to, uh, there's a demo, a video, I think it's on YouTube, where they show a layer above the, the EHR. They take the EHR data, and they're trying to make it far more friendly and usable for, uh, the, uh, for the end user, the clinician. And uh, I think Epic ought to be uh, concerned about, uh, about that. There's a, they're at risk of becoming... Uh, commoditized. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to This Week in Health Innovation. Today's episode is sponsored by Health Innovation Media. Yeah, I mean, you, you've just provided a, a rationale for for why there there's so much pushback on what ONC is proposing. Doesn't, um, doesn't mean it's not the right policy, right? It doesn't mean that a little disruption isn't actually what, what might be needed. You know, by the way, those breaches that you used to hear about happen with HIPAA-covered entities. Entities covered right. by federal privacy law, breaching data. Right. So this is not mm-hmm. this is actually not really a HIPAA versus non-HIPAA issue totally. It's an issue of whether we have the right framework in place from a policy standpoint here in the United States to make sure that wherever health data is accessed, used, and disclosed, there are both protections, but also I think incentives to um, to leverage that data, either to use it or to share it, to make the healthcare system work better, to contribute to medical discovery, right? We just focus a lot on the protection piece, and we should, but, you know, that Goldilocks dilemma is both about having privacy, but also 
leveraging health data and make improvements in our system. And we've got to have both. It's not either or. So even with covered entity status under HIPAA, the patient-generated data piece is subordinate or not a relevant factor here? Well, I mean, you know, I I think it's the part of HIPAA that a lot of people don't sort of fully realize, which is that the data, when it's even when it's in the hands of an entity covered by HIPAA, there's still a lot of permitted access, use, and sharing of that data, including to an analytics company to help make sense of it, to both improve the quality within a particular institution to maximize how they can be reimbursed, but also, again, to contribute to the greater good in terms of um, discovering which treatments work better in which populations. It's just that HIPAA covers it when it's done by a contractor to a healthcare facility, but not when, you know, the patient is introducing that data into an app that might also perform a similar set of functions or services. Got it. So where are we at in the regulatory process? Well, there was a proposed rule issued. The comment period closed several months ago, late spring of 2019, and we're just waiting for the final rule to be issued. So next up, uh, Congress has been considering enacting federal privacy legislation. So what, what's the status of possible federal legislation and uh, um, equally uh, state regulation? There's a lot going on. Last year, we counted, I think, around nine different bills that were introduced. And uh, I think I'm going to introduce a term that, that I call the new consensus mindset. At this point, just about everyone would like to see privacy legislation. Let me break it down into three stakeholder constituencies. Voters, first of all, the polls show uh, 80% plus uh, desire for federal regulation of, of privacy or a new better regulations. It's a bipartisan support. It's not a Democratic or a Republican issue. Within the last, then the second constituency is the technology companies, and they pretty much have shifted their view. They've, they've come to the recognition that there are concerns about fragmentation of regulations, fragmentation in terms of uh, what the U.S. does versus Europe, and and probably more importantly, what really woke them up was when California passed its own privacy legislation. So the fear that tech companies have is uh, 50 states pass 50 different versions of legislation and it becomes a compliance nightmare. So the tech companies have actually, through the business roundtable, been advertising and pushing Congress towards privacy legislation. Now, the devil's in the details, but it's a major shift on the part of tech companies. And then finally, Congress itself as a constituency, there really is bipartisan support and a lot of agreement. There are kind of two major uh, sticking point issues, but I think there also is a lot of room on these issues. Just real quickly, the issues are around uh, whether there should be federal preemption, whether uh, or not the states are allowed to continue to issue laws, privacy laws that might be stronger than whatever the federal government comes up with. And the second issue is really whether or not there should be a a private right of action uh, or who can enforce the laws. Is it going to be a federal agency and uh, perhaps uh, the attorney general and state attorney general, or is it going to be the citizenship brought more broadly? So I, I think 
you know, over the next couple of years, there's a really high probability that we're going to see federal privacy legislation. Uh, you know, how strong it is and the details have, have yet to be worked out. But I think, to me at least, uh, under virtually any scenario here, patients and consumers will be far better off than they are under today's Wild West, which is essentially, you know, anything goes. Facebook can vacuum up your data and do whatever they want with it. That's my quick summary. So, Devin, how about your take? What are the what's the prognosis here? Headwinds, tailwinds? How do you see it? Well, I, I, Vince is a lot more optimistic about this than I am. I, you know, without a doubt, the public support for comprehensive federal privacy legislation is very high. If you look at survey data, it is the case that the companies are coming to Congress and saying please regulate us, basically, which is highly unusual. And you do have a lot of attention from Congress on this. They've had a lot of hearings. There has been some movement towards, you know, coalescing around a similar set of issues, particularly with respect to the Senate Commerce Committee. But I continue to think that there are no headwinds or tailwinds, that we're just in a storm of wind. You know, Congress has really never successfully come together on comprehensive privacy legislation really since 1974 when they enacted a law called the Privacy Act to govern how the federal government handled personal data. You know, most of the time when privacy laws have been enacted, what Congress has been able to do has been fairly minimal. And then there's a lot of work that the regulators have to do to fill in the details. That's basically what HIPAA looks like. It looks like very little in terms of what Congress was able to agree on. And instead, you know, they were at least able to come together to say to the Department of Health and Human Services, well, you go make some regulations. And the department came up with comprehensive regulations. I think it's hard to get Congress to sit down and cooperate on much of anything, no matter what, uh, you know, how much resonance the topic has, particularly in an election year. And I know Vince had a had a sort of two to three year out view on this, but I think it's still going to be very difficult given the state of our politics to see them coalesce around an issue that can be so hard to find consensus on as privacy. And unlike Vince, I actually do think that there's a possibility that what Congress could come up with would be worse than what we have today. <laughs> For example, if they, yeah, if they were to say, you know, hey, we're going to have a federal law that preempts or makes these state laws go away because it's the, it's the state law and the activity going on in the states that's really driving the companies to come to Congress hat in hand and say, please regulate us. And, you know, that, that may happen. But what they'd really like to have happen is that the law that gets passed is actually weaker than what these state laws are requiring, but is you know, covers across the country. So they have one set of laws that they need to, to, to follow, you know, ideally with some harmonization of international law, which is very strong and argues that there would be something much more comprehensive. But nevertheless, I think, I think what the companies are saying is please regulate us, but don't, don't be too mean. Don't be too hard. Don't, don't make my business model go away. And I don't think that's going to be all that appealing to legislators who are not going to want to preempt a very strong state law for something that's quite weak. So I, I think despite the wins, the wins in terms of what should happen, being you know, very clear that Congress should act, that they need to act, that it's important for 
to resolve uncertainty, that it's important for business models, for them to act and for them to act very decisively and clearly. I think there are a lot of factors that weigh against them actually doing that. And so I'm much less sanguine that this will happen. Um, but I think we'll see lots of activity over the next couple of years. And we'll see. I mean, the election could be actually quite telling in terms of whether the chances go up or down. But we shall see. You know, so that actually may be a motivator for, uh, for, for Congress to act. I, I can't disagree with, with Devin. You know, it's hard to paint a picture that Congress can come together on anything. Uh, but if there's an issue out there, and to me the unique difference is you've got 10 years ago, the, the tech companies were the darlings. Today, uh, there's a pretty good recognition that we really don't have uh, a good set of regulations. And uh, and I probably would add the issue really goes beyond uh, privacy. You know, it goes into issues around antitrust regulation and potential divestitures of subsidiaries that the tech companies have acquired and the amount of power that the tech companies have uh, consolidated. So it's it's an issue that's much broader than privacy and probably for different reasons. Uh, the, both Democrats and, and uh, Republicans would like to see the, the tech companies reined in. So, you know, I'll, I'll re- retain my optimism and we'll just see where all the marbles uh, you know, fall over the next couple of years. So personal health information is an emerging area of great sensitivity for consumers and patients. And uh, recently this announced partnership between Google and Ascension has created quite the row. Um, wh- what can you tell us about that? And, there, and are there any others out there we can expect to hear something about soon, if not already? Yeah, so the Wall Street Journal brought to folks' attention uh, this partnership called Project Nightingale. Uh, the article came out in November between Ascension Health System and, and Google. And uh, in a nutshell, uh, I think it became apparent that Ascension Health System was sharing the health data, including personally identifiable data of up to 50 million of their, of their patients. And it, it caused uh, an uproar, uh, certainly among uh, the privacy adv- advocacy community it uh, the number of uh, legislators con- congressional legislators uh, had expressed great concerns and in turn it's triggered uh, an investigation by by OCR to look at the details of this and I think it was really uh, probably a surprise for for Google uh, in contrast uh, on a, 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 actually a fairly similar deal between Google and Mayo uh, didn't attract a lot of attention and in my mind, the main differentiator there was really the deal with Mayo uh, doesn't necessarily or certainly downplays the idea of patient identity. So uh, my my takeaway from all this is, you know, the, the sensitivity around uh, personally identifiable health data and the lesson for companies and for for health systems of the potential backlash of, of sharing uh, too much data with, uh, with third parties. That's my, my quick summary. Devin, anything um, to add? I, 
Yeah, I think it's not just any third parties, though. I, I think, you know, Google, because of the ubiquitous amount of data collection that they do, for, that they gather from consumers online, there's, they, have, they, they hold a sort of special place, I think, in the pantheon of tech companies and concerns about health data. You know, people worry not just Google has my health data and they're going to combine it with all this other data they're collecting about me every day and sell it and use it to advertise to me and how can I be sure that they're going to do this responsibly because frankly the amount of data that they're that that Google is is being you know exposed to in both of these deals is it's considerable but but there are other companies out there in the space that have that much data and more and do very similar types of things with it in terms of data analytics and and building predictive algorithms and things of that nature my my viewpoint about why those those two deals, the Google Mayo versus Google Ascension, were so different was the very different nature of the news reports on it. You know, Mayo, I think, put out a some sort of release and, and publicly announced the arrangement and was, were able to frame it in the terms that they wanted to frame it in. And the reporters in the Ascension deal, it was like an, it was written like an expose. You know, nobody knew right. that this was happening. The doctors didn't know that it was happening. The patients didn't know that it was happening, and, and it had a name. Like, health care organizations don't name their projects. Uh, Project Nightingale, it sounded very nefarious. So consequently, that there was a considerable amount of backlash in, in triggering this federal investigation, even though, frankly, OCR can investigate the Google and Mayo arrangement as well to make sure that it's compliant with HIPAA, because HIPAA is going to apply because it's, it's data that is being received by a contractor. So, you know, it didn't, it didn't really get at the sort of core issues around, you know, what is the fundamental role of contractors, who's allowed to get health data and under what circumstances, and what sorts of controls do we have on that. So it was interesting. So maybe we can get this in, but a last word perhaps. Um, okay. So what role do emerging technologies such as federated learning and blockchain play in protecting privacy? Is there some upside here? So uh, in the Google Mayo field, in the Mayo Health Platform is now under John Halamka's control. They're working with a company out of Boston, Inference, to, or Inference, to, uh, to use federated learning technologies, which are much more protective in, of, of privacy and don't require necessarily uh, releasing the identifying information. I'm not a, a tech person, but as I understand it, in essence, typically you gather data in a central place and then you run an algorithm over it. And with a federated learning technology, the data can stay on your phone or on your computer and the algorithm comes to your phone or your computer and does the work there and your data never leaves your your device and so it's not personally identifiable. I think that will become uh, much more of the standard of how data is going to be uh, analyzed and it's it's really an opportunity for providers to uh, to gain leverage and to take control over the relationships that they have with uh, with tech companies. It's a, it's a huge opportunity for the provider world, my quick take. 
the, yeah, the concept of federated technologies, you know, people call them data enclaves, right? Bringing the questions to the data rather than making copies of the data and sending it out to answer, you know, a myriad of questions that you might need the data to answer. It's, it's definitely much more privacy protective to create the data one time and then invite in a controlled in, in a controlled environment, you know, the ability for, for analytics to be performed on that data. Blockchain to me, is, is a way of effectuating a set of agreements and controls around, around individuals who want to make data available or to share it, and it becomes this technical mechanism that can be the way to enforce whatever the policies are around access. It doesn't solve what those policies should be, though. So blockchain, you know, creates, an, uh, you know, the mechanism for enforcing a good set of policies around who can access data and for what purposes gives you a technical mechanism to assure that those are, that again, that those agreements can be enforced, but it doesn't create the, the agreements. Blockchain is not self-executing in terms of, you know, protecting data or being a solution. It still right. requires, you know, the parties to come together and come to agreement on the, on the rules of the road. Excellent. So lastly, guys, what are some of the new business models emerging as patients and consumers are increasingly concerned about privacy and data protection? Well, there's a, a slew of them. IAPP, the privacy group, recently uh, put out a report with about 300 different companies involved in uh, various aspects of privacy and data. And uh, you know, the, the, probably the most mundane ones are around simply compliance and security, but uh, we're going to see and we are seeing uh, new business models around privacy protection. Uh, there's also a, a, a slew of companies, uh, 60 of them plus by my count and about 25 of which are in healthcare that are focusing on ways to help consumers sell uh, their health data and to, instead of Facebook being able to monetize my data, it's me who can try and monetize my data. Those are just some some quick examples, but I, I think we're going to be in a an area where the regulation combined with the new technologies sprouts uh, all kinds of new business models, Greg. Yeah, I, and I don't disagree, but I will say it'll be interesting to see if consumers pick them up. Survey data always is very strong that people care about their privacy but how they act is another story altogether. And that is the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank Vince Caritas, principal and founder of BetterHelp Technologies, LLC, and Devin McGraw, chief regulatory officer at Citizen Health, for their time and insights today. Be sure to follow both Vince and Devin on Twitter via at Vince Caritas and at Health Privacy, respectively. To access the blog series discussed on today's broadcast, The Health Data Goldilocks Dilemma, check out the healthcareblog.com and search by title. For this week in health innovation, my colleagues Vince and Devin, this is Greg Masters saying, bye now. Mm-hmm.